Hello and welcome to the second episode of Transcending Perspectives. I'm your host, Milena Malaver, and today we are joined by Emily Kaufman, who will share her insight as a transgender law school student at the University of Miami. So tell me a little bit about yourself. So my name is Emily Kaufman. Um, I'm a second year at the University of Miami School of Law, and um, I've... Uh, uh, I went to undergrad at the University of Michigan. I graduated in 2018. Then I worked for a senator on Capitol Hill. And then I worked on um, Beto for Senate and Warren for president um, before law school. And um, I've been out for over eight years. Um, so I've seen a lot of the changes in society and then the the new laws that have been popping up in that time. And um Last summer, I interned with a federal judge in Philadelphia, and I'm looking to work for a federal agency probably in D.C. this summer. Um, so that's my little little background. Okay, well, I'm really glad to hear that law school is going well for you. Um, and to get into why we're here today, um, how do you feel about all the anti-trans legislation that's happening right now? And how do you think that's going to affect trans people? Well, I'll tell you, it's a lot worse now than when I first came out, which isn't the direction you want to go. Because when I came out, there weren't anti-trans laws. There weren't protections. There wasn't marriage equality. There wasn't protections in employment um, in most places. And federally, there wasn't. Nationally, there wasn't. Um, But since 2016, with the North Carolina bathroom bill, um, that was defeated. So I thought things were going well. And now it's just this never-ending stream across the country here in Florida and then just Texas and many, many states. And I think that it really demonizes trans people in the states where it's occurring. It, it, it normalizes questioning our existence, which is very dangerous, obviously. Um, and if they get passed, they have serious detrimental effects to our health, well-being, and and thriving in society. Like, it's really dangerous, creating more violence, normalizing violence. That's a very dangerous time for the community. With most of these bills, there's actually, like, a very little chance of them even being passed. But just this year, I think there's been nearly 400 of them proposed. So what do you think is the purpose of um, the creation of these bills, even though there's very little chance that they'll actually pass? It's multiple things. It's to rile up the base. For some reason, trans issues are something that hardcore conservatives can rally behind. Um, don't know why. I get. I think it makes them question their identities, and it and it scares them. And also, they had they, they didn't know who we were until recently. Um, like everyone's known who gay people were for 50, 70 years. Um, like people knew about like like in society there's a general societal knowledge of like what gay is um but trans people there hasn't been the societal knowledge until around when i came out like 2014 15 16 like that's when the the societal knowledge sort of made it so that people knew what we were like who we were like a lot of people when i initially was starting to come out they didn't know what it was. The re- but the reason they do it is to say, oh, look, I tried to screw over trans people with this bill. Um, and then also, if they propose something really draconian and drastic, 
that doesn't pass, then it makes something that's not as dra- dra- drastic seem reasonable. So it's shifting the Overton window, if you're familiar with that, um, to things that would have been outrageous, but because they've proposed these things that are even worse, it makes them seem less bad in comparison and more likely to pass. We have reached the time for a short break on this second episode of Transcending Perspectives, but stay tuned for more. And welcome back to this second episode of Transcending Perspectives, where we continue to talk about the legal implications of anti-trans legislation. What's like the actual legal base of these bills? It depends. It it really depends. So the states have inherent police powers that the federal government can't intrude on unless there's a constitutional issue. So with things like education, it's a state and local issue. So unless there's there's a constitutional violation, the states can generally do what they want. So so that's one aspect of it. The other aspect is in some states, including Florida and Texas, the even though they're very conservative states, especially well, the legislature is very conservative. The governors have used the power of their office to enact changes using the the executive authority of the governor. So the what DeSantis did was not a bill. It wasn't legislation. It was just like a recommendation to the to the Florida Medical Board that he kind of and, and he pushed it through. And then in Texas, with the um investigation of the parents of transgender children, um, because the kids are trans, like that's the only reason they're investigating was similarly directed by the governor. Uh, So in those situations, it's doubly dangerous because it's not only negatively impacting the trans community, but it's these governors in a way trying to consolidate power in their office so that they have more authority than is granted them by the state's constitution. I don't know if you guys had this at UM, but today at FIU, we had protests um, that were basically against Ron DeSantis. They had me open the, the, the convo. Oh, awesome. like the I was the first speaker, but I didn't really prep that much. But <laughs> here we are. How was it for you? It was good. It was good. I felt old, but, you know, because <laughs> I'm not, a, you know, I'm not an undergrad. Most people there are like 21, 20. And I'm 27, but um, but no, it was good that, that people are coming out. I'm, I, I think the issue was like everyone there, it was like preaching to the choir. So everyone there like already believes that trans rights are human rights and that trans people deserve like equality. And it it can be hard to get that broader audience, the people that need to be swayed to to create this the more sweeping change. Um, but that's always hard to do. I mean. You know, most people there are trans or LGBTQ, almost everyone. And then there were a few allies, but. What do you think is the better approach to bring this issue to other people? Like, what's the best way to bring trans issues to the other side? 
if you use more conservative language and I and and ideas to as a, a mechanism for implementing like liberal social change, I think that that's the best way to go about it. So, you know, you you talk about like personal freedom, you know, that it's taking away the freedom of parents to have rights over their parents and you just like say freedom 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 the buzzwords and so then the people will be like why how would i feel if the government was telling me what kind of medical care i could have for my kid like that's kind of messed up so you have to reframe it and that way i think and know who your audience is um and that's for the you know more conservative people and then for the liberal people it has to be a call to action that they need to like share things and like on social media and keep conversations going. A lot of my friends aren't aware of a lot of the issues I face, even though I post about it on Instagram and things like that and talk about it sometimes. Uh, and it's important that people know um, people that would be willing to show up to a protest and know that it's happening and know like the, the dangers facing the community. My final question for you is, how is your future looking like as a trans lawyer in Florida? It's not, it's a bad time to be trans. Not that it really has been, well, actually it was better, like I was saying oh, a few years ago. Um, but it's, it's, it's really bad. And, you know, I don't know if I want to even practice law here because of the things that Ron DeSantis has done. And I, I want to meet with him, actually. You can print this. I hope he sees it. Because I want to have a discussion with him about about this because it, you know, I mean, he's he's getting if he doesn't remedy these situations, he's going to be on the wrong side of history. And his name may go down in infamy like other politicians in our past and leaders in our in our in our you know country and the world's past. And I think that that I, I want to feel like I'm accomplishing something, that I'm doing something to help my community. and. I think that talking, having a one-on-one -on -one conversation with Ron DeSantis would be one way that I could help. Um, I don't know if you would listen to things I had to say, but at least I would feel like I'm making some sort of difference. So I, I think I'll uh, end there. Uh, thank you so much for speaking with me today. I really appreciate it. Um, it was a great conversation and I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. And that is all the time we have for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in on this second episode of Transcending Perspectives. And a very special thank you to Emily Kaufman for joining us today.